Good morning, dear saints, blessed epiphany, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Today is Friday, January 19th, and you're listening to the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. In this concluding chapter today, St. Paul urges the Philippians to rejoice in the Lord always. He emphasizes joy and gentleness and how to avoid anxiety through prayer and thanksgiving. Paul also speaks of contentment in every situation, and he highlights his ability to be content in any circumstance through Christ who gives him strength. We'll talk about that and a lot more in a few minutes, but whether it's over the air, online at kfuo.org or as a podcast, no matter how you're joining us this morning, thank you for tuning in. You're the reason we're here. So settle in, open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is graciously supported in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit them online at lhfmissions.org to learn more about all the great work that they do for the kingdom. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can email them to me at pastorboo at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook or you can call 730-1-800-730-2727. But with no further uh, uh, kerfuffling around, let's go to our guest. It's the Reverend David Boisclair. He's the pastor of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Good morning, Pastor Boys Claire, and welcome back to the program. Good morning. It's such a wonderful day. Well, it's nice to have you. I uh, how are things going in uh, Overland? I know you've uh, been there for quite a while, but you know it's all official now. And uh, so, how have things been going? Things are really um, going very well, and uh, God's people are being enriched by the Word, and uh, uh, we're even going to have mouse races in a few days. So there's always something going on at our Redeemer Overland. Okay, well, I think that's something you're going to have to explain to us before we move on. Mouse races? What's that about? Yeah, well, they, I guess um, you you have a situation where there are live mi- mice that are used, uh, and and it's rather interesting. You'd think the children might be uh, involved in that a lot, but uh, no, it's uh, something that is done by, um, you know, some of the older uh, the you know older lay people in the congregation, and uh, it's kind of a yearly a yearly thing to ri- raise money for uh, the mission and ministry of the church and for our preschool. Oh, I think that sounds fun. That's great. It it reminds me of when um, down in North Carolina, where I'm from, they would have a possum drop every year for 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 a New Year's Day at the little corner store in Brasstown, uh, North Carolina. And so they would get a possum, a live possum, you know, one that would probably be roadkill if they had not saved it. And they put it in a box and they slowly drop it. It's the possum's fine, but there were people who did not like that because it was a possum. Do you have any people that have problems with the mouse races that you know of? Well, I wonder, you know, I mean, I know the ladies don't necessarily like uh, rodents uh, uh, traveling (laughs) around, but uh, yeah, possums. I I remember one time meeting a possum in front of my church uh, and it, and it hissed at me. (laughs) Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. They, but you know, they're, they're really neat creatures. I remember that uh, if you go to this possum drop, they had, we had little puppets on our hands, little possums. Everybody had little possums around and 
Oh my goodness. It's so crazy thing. But then they had PETA come and protest. It was wild. So uh, if you want to protest those mouse races, contact anybody but KFUO. (laughs) (laughs) In any case, oh, brother. Well, that sounds like actually a lot of good, clean fun, and I hope you guys raise a bunch of money. Um, Let's uh, let's start moving toward our text, though. Before we begin, would you bathe our time together in some prayer? I'd be honored. Thank you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you for your glorious epiphany, which is your servant life among us, your people. We praise you for lifting up for us our very beloved Apostle Paul, by whom you taught us to trust in you alone for our salvation with the confidence that we can do all things through you, who constantly strengthens and sustains us, who uh, is the one who uh, is there for us as a perfect uh, sacrifice of uh, righteousness and a sweet savor to God. Might you join us for our study this morning as we joyfully learn from you and Paul how to live as your people. In your precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my voice is just sort of coming back. It's going to be going in and out, but so apologies in advance if I uh, if I squeak a little bit while I'm talking. But here we are in Philippians, and we're, we're finally wrapping it up. And so I want to start with uh, chapter 4, which... Uh, the way the editors edit it in the ESV, they kind of connect it with the previous uh, passage, but we'll we'll talk about that. But I'm going to read 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crowned, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, Euodia, And I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, to help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and have received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. All right. So we have Euodia, and we have, uh, let's see if I can pronounce it better, Syntyche. So Euodia and Syntyche. Um, these two ladies are the first he mentions in this section. Start wherever you want, but I, I always find it neat when he mentions people from the churches because these people are generally otherwise not known to us except through these letters like this. And then there's Syzygus as well. Uh, you know, they're the, the true yoke fellow, if you use his Greek, the Greek for it, it's Syzygus. And, and um, very few, uh, like the New Jerusalem Bible, I think, uh, translates instead of true companion or true yoke fellow, Syzygus and Clement. And, and uh, you know, th- these are, it, it shows that, um, 
there there is a real church in Philippi at uh, in the first century, and and that uh, all of these are some of the people in that church, and and uh, uh, you know it, it, it's just. Uh, you know we're encouraged because they're they're like examples to us. Yeah, and and just for clarity for those who are wondering, like, well, where's Sisygus coming from? Yes, in verse three. Yes, I ask you also, true companion. Um, that's what the Greek means, but it could be a guy named Sisygus, you know. So or your you know loyal Sisygus. Um, but right, you see, there's like real people. I mean, you could just take these names and replace them with folks from your own congregation and and start to get a little bit of idea because we often look at the scriptures and we hear, you know, the the, the adventures of Paul and Peter and we think of pastors, Timothy and Titus, and they're so up in the ether. It's really good when we can ground them in reality. As you say, this is a real congregation. And, And what does he call them? And the rest them and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he mentions two women, uh, perhaps one or two men, and and he calls them my fellow workers. I, I think that's so valuable to understand how, uh, in, in Paul's case, apostles, or in our case, bishops and pastors and deacons and lay people, we all have the same goal, and that is to proclaim the truth of what Christ has done for the world. Yes, and and it and this this uh, it's this is uh, this epistle is such a blessing to the church because they were they were just uh, the his his very heart his joy and his crown uh, and and he, he mentions how they they have a partnership in the gospel whenever whenever um, God's people um, maybe help the pastor, give the pastor gifts or, or support, you know, or, or send their support to KFUO or, or whatever. They become partners in that precious uh, gospel of life. Which which comes into the world and and, uh, and 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 I think you mentioning the fact that they are written in the book of life. It's it's a li- much in the same way as the apostle also calls those who are um, you know confessed believers in Christ saints and and chosen to salvation and and that 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 is is, is a very important point to make that the apostle makes as he uh, ministers to these congregations. And one of Paul's um, re- themes that keep popping up, but especially here, is his call for Christian unity. And we see that in even in these first three verses, right? He's talking about uh, – he, he's calling them fellow workers. He's talking about the reality of their names being written in the book of life. But he says, who's labored side by side with me in the gospel together. It, it really is kind of emphasizing this, um, this, this beautiful unity. But even verse two kind of reveals something behind the scenes, which we're not going to ever really, I think, know. People have speculated. But um, Euodia and, and Syntyche, um, they apparently have some sort of disagreement, right? Because he's, he's asking them to agree in the Lord. They've worked with him before, but now they're at odds with each other. So are these two leaders in the Philippian church or just two prominent women? But I, I wonder what they're arguing about. I wonder. Yeah, and and uh, you know, women are very, very important uh, in the the churches that were established in Greece, and and this, of course, is part of part of uh, in northern Greece, uh, uh, Philippi, 
And um, that, that, of course, is where went. That's the city that he went to, um, you know, first in Europe and, uh, you know, there, where he uh, spread the gospel. And it, and it mentions and talks about the prominent women. And, and uh, you know, they, they, they were uh, like a backbone of the church in, in that they were uh, those that, and, and we can see that in any congregation. I can see that here in my new congregation, how very vital to the mission and ministry of the church are the women are. And then, and of course, uh, people just get into disagreements. And, and um, you know, maybe it's a little thing. Maybe it's a very big thing. But uh, he urges the congregation, like he did with the Corinthians, uh, that everyone be of the same mind, have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and and so on. And and that's that's part and parcel of being uh, the body of Christ. You know, we are the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, and we are to be united with one another. Um, and uh, that that's, of course, why uh, you pray for one another. You have uh, others that uh, will be uh, present to talk to them talk, uh, and, and try to resolve uh, the issues that you have. I mean, I had, I think I had in, in, in my work there for this past, for I, this is now a year that I started my ministry. There's been at least one or two occasions where I've had to take uh, a brother and sister and sit them down and, and, ha- and talk, uh, the three of us talk together. And that's what we see. I mean, he's asking, I, ha- I ask you also, true companion um you know who is he talking about oh, probably the syzygous guy right so he's like listen why don't you help these women they've labored side by side with me in the gospel and also clement you know he knows and, and everybody else so he's he's telling them that y- all y'all's names are written in the book of life so this earthly disagreement is worth resolving if it's a disagreement over doctrine it's especially worth resolving if it's a disagreement over practice well, then it's worth resolving or at the very least coming to an understanding. So in the verses that follow, and I think because of the versification of the Bible and people read it typically out of context, I don't know how much people understand that what follows is in the context of this disagreement between these two wonderful saints of the Lord. So he says in verse four again, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord's right there at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So, you know, we if we were to print a calendar and put Bible verses that are inspirational on it, we're going to put, don't be anxious about anything, but everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we're going to read that. And if you're like me, who, uh, you know, I, I struggle with anxiety sometimes. And I look at these verses and I go, well, boy, that's easy for Paul to say. Of course, it's not really. But it's easy for the Holy Spirit to say, or it's easy for Jesus to say where he says similar things. But in the context, it's not just saying you're never allowed to be concerned about the world. If you had enough faith, you'd never be anxious. But in the context of these women, I suspect that there's some unreasonableness going on. There's some anxieties about something, and he's in that context pointing them to the Lord and whatever is going on. How do you read that? And does my sentiments make sense about how it sometimes is such a law that it actually might do the opposite if we take it out of context? Oh, no, I, I think you're exactly right. What's rather interesting is is where, you know, you try to 
you you talk and pray with and you and you and and you just spend time with with these folks and uh you you can notice maybe something where where things go wrong you know and of course you know they, they, there's psychologists that that might want to you know they might weigh in on this or that i think one time uh, was pointed out that a one person uh you know when they have a lot of things to do when they they get busy and do one thing at a time then they're then they're peaceful they they're diligent and they do what they can but then when they see when they kind of uh, get their mind off of just the one thing at a time and they look at all of the stuff that they have to do you get very frustrated and you think how am i going to handle this and then of course we have something that the psychologists don't have we have uh, god the father son and holy spirit who is able to uh, empower us and, and and help us to understand you know where what what's going on oh absolutely and and so whatever's going on here between yodia and uh Syntyche, you know he's just pointing them to the fact that let your reasonableness be known to everyone your gentleness the lord is right there that phrase the lord is at hand I feel like that could be read a couple different ways. <laughs> you know, uh, James says things like, be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Um, and I think that's probably the best way to read it, right? Like the Lord's going to return soon. So don't worry about it. Basically, don't be anxious. Um, you know, he's but I also think the Lord is at hand could be giving us this idea of Jesus is gone. He's coming back, but he's also right there. And so you, so it's not that, you know, you're sinning if you're anxious, but it's, you don't have to be anxious anymore. You have a recourse and you're right. We have, uh, uh, we have doctors and medicines that can help with things like chemical imbalances, but what does God offer? He offers the creator of the universe will actually listen to your problems. He'll listen and not just listen, but, but he'll, he'll answer your requests. So he says in everything by prayer, supplication, which basically means asking for something with Thanksgiving, let your request be made known. So that Lord at hand can be taken three different ways. One, the, the Lord's coming in the future Two, the Lord's right here. And that's a good thing. And I just want to add the third before you jump in. The third would be the Lord's right here, but that's a bad thing. And so the sinner looks at the Lord at hand and thinks, oh no, I'm always being judged and I can't get away from him. Anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah, I think uh, it, it, the the word of God is like a a beautiful diamond that has many facets. Uh, you know, and, and not that we say that the, there's no literal sense. The literal sense is one, obviously, uh, sure. in any part of Scripture. But I, but I do think that it, it 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 ministers to us in that there are many different facets like that. Uh, it's interesting. In, in sometimes in catechetical instructions, you mentioned that sometimes uh, the Lord is at hand might be a little intimidating because obviously we're sinners. So so uh, you know what what does God's presence or God's uh, um um omniscience, knowing everything, all seeing see, and, and present everywhere. What does that, uh, you know, how does that uh, deal with us when, when we recognize our sin? And how does that uh, deal with us to comfort us uh, that uh, he provides and he administers the forgiveness of our sins? And so, so you know, that all of those, all of those meanings are, are at work here. I, I do. And, and But in terms of like what the actual author was intending for his particular audience, 
Um, I do think all those meanings are wrapped up in there. We both agree. Would you agree, though, that it's it's likely referring specifically, though, to that day of Christ as a motivation to live in this godly manner? Because unlike the early Christians, we don't live with the same sense of urgency that they did. And so sometimes it's hard for us to remember. But for them to say the Lord is at hand, it recalls within their hearts a desire and a hope that Jesus is coming back like tomorrow or or at least before they pass away. So we are 2000 years removed from that. And I think the urgency is sometimes lost, but certainly not for them. Don't worry. Jesus is coming back soon. He's telling them. Oh, yes. And, and um, uh, for it, it, like if you look at and this uh, Sunday, uh, the epistle is First Corinthians 7, uh, where, where it says, I urge those who have wives to live as though they don't, you know. Uh, and, and then, of course, you know, you, you know that he's not trying to break up marriages or anything, but he's talking about a different priority that's, that's there. I mean, uh, we're not centered in the things of the world, or that is not all there is, that there is also uh, our relationship with God and also our glorious hope of, of life everlasting. Um, and, and, and I think that it, 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 Jesus says, always be on, on guard because the Lord can come at a time that you do not expect. You know, that, that the reason that the Lord doesn't reveal the exact time that he will uh, return and, and will be the end of the world, that, that we will always uh, be ready and always uh, rely upon him and recognize his presence with us. I will be with you every day, even until the end of the world. Yeah, there, there's really nothing that will get me to la- uh, wait to the last minute than a deadline. <laughs> it's just, you know, so if, if the Lord's coming back October 31st, whatever, you know, then how many people would just reject God's will out of sinfulness and, and think that by just, you know, waiting to the last minute, they'll 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 enter into paradise. And yeah, God says, no, he, the Lord is at hand. He's coming soon. And because God is outside of time and space, it is soon for him. He's as close to the beginning of the world as he is to the end. He's not confined. Time is part of the creation. So for us, it may seem long. And of course, the Bible elsewhere tells us about that. You know, he's not delayed, but rather desires people to come to the faith. And that's that's all we really need to know. Uh, But when he says, don't be anxious, then um, I've connected that to whatever situation might be going on between Yodia and Syntyche. But the, the Philippians were also facing hardships, too, as we learned way back in chapter one. Um, he's talking about to them. He says, one twenty nine. he says, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So I, I think that perhaps, even though we're at the end here, maybe whatever's going on between Yodia and Syntyche is, is a product of all the suffering they're facing and very well could be the reason why Paul wrote the letter in the first place. What is your, what are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. And and of course he's thanking them for the gift that they that they had sent. He's he's under house arrest at, at when when he writes this letter, of course. And and as we will see in in in, in continuing in this uh, chapter, that uh, you know he he praises God for their their uh, constant love toward him. But a- absolutely, uh, that you know it's it it he used to stay up nights worrying about his congregations. Uh, he's constantly worried. He'd be sending his friends Timothy and Ti- and Titus. I don't 
and 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 others to see how how they're getting along um because because he really um he he feels with them he 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 is united to them in in that uh, mystical union which is the church and so that's it's kind of like when when one uh member of the church hurts then all the entire church hurts yeah no and and the church has been given these tools by which they can face the days ahead. And and that's the idea of the prayer and supplication. You know, I, and I think that we as Christians have, I think we struggle a little bit with what prayer does, right? So he says in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. God wants to hear from us. He commands us to pray, but I think, Christians, and for good reason, struggle with the immutability of God, the unchangingness of God, even his foreknowledge and his sovereignty. And we try to contrast that with him calling upon, asking us to call upon him in prayer. So I don't know. I mean, I know like in the three minutes we have before we have to go to break, you're not going to be able to perfectly explain prayer, but help us a little bit understand, like, what's the point of praying? Well, obviously, it it, uh, it it is part and parcel of our relationship with God, uh, that we believe that he can hear us, that we believe that he is able to help us, uh, that he cares. Uh, you know, something that was so, uh, you know, striking when I remembered in, in high school watching a, um, a film about uh, the Nazi Holocaust in Germany uh, was that uh, Goebbels, who was the um, uh, media guy, uh, the propagandist said that, you know, they, they were throwing stones in, at churches where they were uh, like stained glass windows of Jesus uh, taking care of the little children. And, and this, uh, this evil man said about uh, comparing Jesus to Hitler, he says, how could you compare uh, the Fuhrer, the leader, with one so petty? Wow. And, and, and isn't that 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 just really struck me about uh, you know the the blasphemy of course against our lord but he he wants to hear our problems you know and, and when people articulate their problems or their their concerns and they turn to the lord then then uh, that that ministers to them help as well uh, that that is our relationship with him you know just like you love to talk to your loved ones if something's bothering you tell me about it um, and, and so, and, and that, that's, that's what prayer is. It's sort of like, like our conversation with God, God speaks to us in his word and we speak back to him in prayer. And that's part of that, uh, communion and fellowship that we have with God. And on top of all that too, I would add that prayer also serves the purpose of reminding us who's in control. So by appealing to God, it's this constant reminder that, you know, we are, we have, as you said, we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. He listens to our concerns. Even if you feel like no one else in the world understands you or, or, or is listening to you or there's no one else you can turn to, God is there always. And not only is, is and he's not like a, like a, 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 a consolation prize, you know, you have access directly to the creator of the universe. Um, that's something that can only be understood and apprehended in faith. So, yeah, I also think prayer is a strong indicator of faith, right? That's why he wants us to practice it. Oh, exactly. And 
And, um, you know, we can't call the president of the United States or or the um, secretary general of the United Nations or any of these other folks uh, because it's hard to get. But but all we have to do is is think a word. God, hear me. God, take care of me. And we can even uh, we're blessed with evidence of the fact that he does answer our prayers one way or another. If it's something that he it's his will for us to have, we'll have it. If it's not, then he he blesses us by not giving it to us. Yeah, and sometimes right. he tells us to wait, be patient. Yeah, that's something we forget sometimes. Is sometimes it's the blessing to not get what we want, or at least what we ask for. Well, folks, I tell you what, we're going to take a few minutes as a break, but we're going to keep on going. So don't go anywhere. When we come back, the pastor and I will pick up with verse eight. See you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today, it's the Reverend David Boisclair. He's the pastor of Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Friends, don't forget that you can contact me at PastorBoo at gmail.com or on Facebook with your questions, comments, and more. Hey, if you're brave enough, call in. Talk to us. We're nice guys. We'll talk to you. 800-730-2727. Okay, back to the text. Now, we're going to get into... Uh, another passage, uh, it, just like the don't be anxious about anything. Um, in fact, I'll just go ahead and stop and say this whole chapter is full of passages that you're going to find on mugs and T-shirts and calendars. Um, because it's such a beautiful testimony, people want to have these words close to them. But this next section is no exception. Verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, take me through this. I, you know, I've heard one pastor say, replace whatever with Jesus and you'll, and you'll see the true meaning. Jesus is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely. And I think that's nice. But uh, how do we understand that? What's Paul talking about? He's talking about good mental health. And, and I remember a pastor telling me this is, this is uh, Jesus' key to good, uh, healthy mental thinking and, and mental health. You know, uh, it, it, it's like garbage in, garbage out. You know, the world has a lot of garbage to put into our heads, you might say. But this is, it, it, this is the apostle saying, be careful what you uh, pay attention to and what you, what you put into your head. And, and uh, so in this case, it's, it's, the, it's a true Christian mental health that the, uh, that the Lord gives. I, boy, isn't that true? I, so, you know, in, in a, a moment of openness here, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. 
I struggle trying to follow and get, frankly, get really passionate about politics. It, it pretty much drives me crazy. <laughs> and, I, and I try to be pretty apolitical. And, and I have friends who have various levels of interest in politics and, um, and we talk about them and I think it's great. Uh, but I've seen a lot of like anxiety and a lot of anger and hatred and division um, over some of these things. And it's not because things like politics aren't important to pay attention to, but it's because if all you have is a steady diet of negativity that's produced by the media or whatever, uh, or social media too, uh, then you're, you're going to be affected by those things. And so I, I love how you said this is like, you know, a Christ ordained mental health because it is right. You know, whatever you're feeding on is going to affect how you think about the world. And if it's not that the world doesn't have negative things, but if it's only negative things, then you, you can expect that you're going to have a lot of consternations. Oh, exactly. And, 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 and I hate to say it, but it's true for myself and, and for many people that I have talked to, you know, many Christians that I've talked to is this, they, they don't even watch the news anymore. I mean, oh. not, that's not, that's not, uh, you know, something that I would encourage. We always have to know what's going on. Uh, it would be helpful if uh, the news media would practice true journalism and tell the truth about what's going on. We We shouldn't be afraid of the truth, whatever that is. Um, and, and, but maybe a little bit less spin, maybe from both sides, from the right and from the left. And, and, you know, some type of people get so frustrated because you have situations in which government is not working, uh, then, uh, you know, then, then that makes them angry. And it, and, and just, it just takes just one little um, blurb and, and you and you just could blow up. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes, yeah. yeah. And and that's why uh, for us as Christians, you know, we we have uh, the precious Word of God, and 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 to be with our Lord uh, in prayer and supplication and everything, and and that that uh, fills us with the the proper thoughts. I, I think as we're interesting Shakespeare. Uh, uh, at one time uh, where, where someone is bidding goodbye to a number of people, they said, think good thoughts, you know, <laughs> have a good thought life. And, and maybe also um, maybe look at your diet of what you read and what you listen to and, 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 and the topics that interest you and everything. You know, maybe, maybe you need to, with the help of God's Holy Spirit, to um, make it more God-pleasing. Oh, and, you know, if we put this in the context of uh, these two ladies who I think might have spurned or triggered Paul to write this letter, you know, this isn't just – I picked the low-hanging fruit of, fruit of the news, which is true. I, I basically don't watch it either, uh, not out of an interest to not be informed, but just because I'm disenfranchised with how everybody has their own spin. But in the case of the church, this can happen too. If you're there and you're only focusing in your congregation on the bad things, if you're only mulling over every time your pastor makes a mistake, and if you have me as your pastor, you're going to have a lot to mull over. If that's all you're ever doing, then of course you're going to be disenfranchised with church. So again, it's not about putting on rose-colored glasses and ignoring the reality, but as our guest said, it is about having this healthy diet of those things which are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, those things that are worthy of praise. And he drives it home because then he says what you have learned and have received and heard and seen in me, 
practice these things. And what will happen? The God of peace will be with you. And that word of peace, by the way, it, it, it's it, it's kind of like shalom, but it's not shalom. Of course, it's in Greek, but it, it means more than just just peace. It's like well-being, freedom from anxiety, even prosperity, deliverance from enemies. I mean, it's a it's an all-encompassing term. Right. It means all good. May all good be yours. The God of all good will be with you, and 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 all good health. All you know, especially uh, spiritual help and uh, health. And, and um, uh, you know, it, it just means I wish you all the best. Everything that can possibly be best is what I want you to have as, as uh, my fellow uh, Christian and fellow believer. And another word would be tranquility. Yeah, right. So irene is the Greek word there. And so what I think is interesting, though, then as we conclude this letter or as Paul concludes it, he moves into now how God is the provider. Uh, and I think that's important too. I'm going to go ahead and start with verse 10 and I will read down to 20. We'll leave the last two verses for the end. Here we go. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia— no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, well, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father. Be glory and forever. Amen. So I love this passage because, you know, we talked at earlier about Epaphroditus uh, heading back. Uh, he's sending them back. There's been a length of time that they've not been able to help. And we joked in chapter one about how, you know, Paul's kind of being a little sarcastic here. Oh, finally, you're helping again. But no, he makes it clear here that they wanted to help but couldn't. And he uplifts them uh, in this idea that this is one of the churches that took a chance on Paul and they've continued to support him. But he reminds them that that's to, almost to their benefit. He has learned the the secret to facing plenty and hunger, et cetera. And then we get the famous, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which is going to be worth us addressing. <laughs> take, take it away from the top. Uh, you know, how can we understand what Paul's saying? Yes. Uh, you know, the, the joy that he has is that they have the opportunity to help. Uh, you know, anytime, you know, sometimes the, you maybe, you know, folks uh, that, uh, you know, they're, they're always maybe the only time they ever call you is when they need help or something like that. But you should rejoice in such opportunities to to to, to being a Christian and to and to sharing 
uh, in love with with those who need help. And 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 so in in this particular case, you know, he 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 wants to try to show them the spiritual side. Uh, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive, and and uh, that. Uh, you know, and, and the other thing is, it's it's like he, he if we want to, you know, look at a kind of a parallel passage, there is uh, there is the um, uh, in First Timothy six, uh, godliness with contentment is great gain, but godliness with contentment is uh, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And then, and, and so then the idea is those who are not content, and they, and they may be people that are uh, not very wealthy. Uh, they may be people uh, that are poor, very poor, uh, but they're not content. Uh, there may be people that are the richest people in the world. They're not content. So godliness with contentment is is great gain. And 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 he he wants to he's telling them a secret of of what he has. You know, it's rather interesting. I remember in in a. Uh, very familiar hymn. Uh, not, of course, uh, it, 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 they didn't uh, put this stanza into the uh, uh, How Firm a Foundation You Saints of the Lord in uh, Lutheran Worship or Lutheran Service Book. But there is the second stanza uh, of this hymn that goes, Fear not, I am with you, O be not dismayed, for I am your God and will still give you aid. I'll strengthen you, help you, and cause you to stand. Okay, it's, uh, it's the one when through fiery trials, your oh, I'm looking at the wrong hymn. <laughs> um, the one it is in every condition, in sickness, in health, in poverty's veil, or abounding in wealth, at home and abroad, on the land, on the sea, the Lord, the Almighty, thy strength heir shall be. And so obviously the hymn writer was thinking about this passage when he's talking about, uh, you know, how we are to be content with what the Lord gives us. And that contentment is, again, a gift, right? We think of the thou shalt not covet um, in uh, 9 and 10 in the in the Ten Commandments, and, and we, we teach that as a gift, right? Not coveting is a gift of contentment. Um, and at also at the same time, it's just it's just good to understand that if you know that God is the one who provides your needs and he knows what you need, as the scriptures say elsewhere, right, then he's going to provide those things. Uh, now, let's get right to the, the, the what I consider the elephant in the room, and that is I can do all things through him who strengthens me or through Christ who strengthens me. This has almost become a passage I don't like because of its misuse and, and it's misused in two big ways. I think one is the prosperity gospel, right? You know, it's, this is a promise that you can achieve anything you want, business, sports, personal goals. Just know that through Christ, you can get success and, and wealth and personal achievement or just any other sort of like, well, any obstacle will be effortless for me to overcome because Christ is with me. And if things get hard, then Christ must not be with me or something. Um, help help us understand this in its context, please. 
you know, it's, it, it, that's rather interesting because uh, this was probably one of the most important verses for Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. I think if, you, mm-hmm. if anyone's ever watched the, the uh, biography uh, of, uh, you know, on, on a film, there was a film of the biography of this man, uh, basically, uh, who, who said, you know, I can, you know, he preached a sermon on this, and that, I think that was one of the central passages um, that that uh, he used in his ministry. But uh, as you said, it certainly can be misused. I can do all things um, well, all things in accordance with God's will, all things that uplift, all things that uh, bring for a contentment and good. It, it doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with uh, uh, becoming uh, prosperous and wealthy. It's all for building up the kingdom of God. And and so, you know, it definitely can be misused. But, you know, in, in the context, of course, it it. it it is is a very powerful verse, but I, I, I share your I share your concerns with it. Well, in John fourteen, Jesus says, "Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son." Um, and he says in John fifteen something else that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. And then John sixteen, he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give to you." So. This this has the same, I think, uh, problem, and that is that we often interpret those to say, well, as long as I ask it in Jesus' name, then I'll get it. But to ask something in Jesus' name is to you know, combine or, or to connect your will to his, and same thing here. You said it. It's whatever uh, God wants us to have. So this isn't a physical or materialistic. It's spiritual, and even as spiritual – it's it's really according to to God's will, and and James puts a corrective on this in James four verse three. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, uh, and, and so you know in, in a sense it, it's it, that that factors in as well. Absolutely. Well, let's keep on going a little bit because he does move into uh, as he's finishing out his letter, he wants to thank them for all of their all of the benefits that they've given him. Verse 14, it was kind of you to share in my trouble, but he says yet it was kind of you. So it's almost like he's saying actually it is what he's saying. Um, You don't have to worry about me because God's taking care of me. But I'm really glad that you worried about me and helped me out because, <laughs> you know, God's obviously helping him through them. It's a weird little conundrum, but, you know, Paul's just being honest. He wants to both give glory and praise to God, but also thank the people that are, are sending him, you know, money. Yeah, he wants he wants to be honest with them. Uh, he, he wants he, don't worry about me kind of a deal. You know, I mean, yet, you know, you, you know, your gift to me, it, it was so special precious because of what it does for you, because it it is a uh, sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving that you are offering to God, and and it is what it does for you in your spiritual life. And and so he's kind of saying, you know, uh, uh, it's very helpful, and and I'm so grateful, but I want you to know I'm okay, you know, that kind of deal. Precisely. You know, I, I and he says he praises them that he they no other church entered into partnership with them at the beginning except them and that they sent those gifts. But I I love this because in verse 17, he says, 
not that I seek the gift. And and Paul's pretty he's pretty famous for two things as you read out his letters. One is reminding people that he's, you know, while he could demand it, he does provide or God provides for him, I should say, through his tent making. Um, God provides for him through a variety of means. And he praises people for when they help him. But then at the same time, elsewhere, he's he's collecting for the saints in Jerusalem and he's trying to raise money for the church. In this case, he talks about not seeking the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Now, I, I don't want to misinterpret this to the idea that somehow by giving to churches or preachers or evangelists or missionaries that somehow you have some account with God that you're, you're kind of banking credits for, but there is a benefit to giving. It is more blessed to give than to receive for a good reason. Um, but what kind of credit is it that is being accrued to them? Yes. Well, um, As Jesus even says, you know, even one who gives a a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple to to a disciple in the name of a a disciple will not lose his reward. God crowns his gifts. uh, You know, our ability or our generosity that we have is a gift from God, the Holy Spirit. And so and so in in a sense, it kind of it sort of multiplies uh, together, uh, you know, like as John Bunyan in his Pilgrim's Progress says, as sparks is from the fly, fire to fly, you know, to to ignite the, the the fervor and the warmth that that it is that God crowns His gifts uh, in us and through us. And I think that's something that we should remember as we try to support the ministry here on earth. And that is that, you know, we're, we're getting to participate in God's activity on earth. And it really is a blessing. So he thanks specifically Epaphroditus and the gifts they sent through him. Um, one thing that uh, I actually kind of struggle, not struggle with, that's not quite the right word, but it always stands out to me when he says it. Paul says, and my God will supply every need of yours. And then, of course, he concludes with, to our God and Father be glory and forever. Why does Paul sometimes talk like that when he says, you know, my God? It just, it just, it, it just stands out to me as, as a little odd. Well, it, it, it shows uh, that that God has placed him into the office of the holy ministry, uh, mm. similar to when, when, we, when we give absolution, uh, you know, right. uh, as a called servant of Christ, uh, you know, uh, that, um, you know, we, we speak about my God or my Christ. Yeah, uh, in the stead you know, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ. My Lord yeah. Jesus Christ. That, yeah. that, that phrase. Uh, it, it, it's to sort sort of point out the uh, you know the the working of the office of the holy ministry when mm-hmm. when that is is being carried out in the church it is God who who uh, does it uh, much in the same way as in 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 uh, you know private confession where the question that the confessor asks the penitent the person confessing their sins the person the pastor hearing the confession says do you believe that my forgiveness is god's forgiveness uh, and and the purpose of that is for us to understand that, that it is god himself who works through uh, the office of the holy ministry, as it is, uh, you know, dispensing the gospel and the means of grace. Uh, that's the that's the source of that, and you don't want to you don't want to separate those two. But again, it, it's like uh, then then taking it all together, our God, 
and and so on. So it was a different way and manner in which he was doing that. He's kind of making reference to his office as a pastor in the form of an apostle. And, like and that. Uh, that that that's encouraging to them. And I think that's helpful, too, because even in the absolution, I, I think about that, too. You know, it's like my Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and of course, it's your Lord, too. But it, it, it is. It's about talking about the way that God has ordered his church here on earth. But, of course, the doxa, the glory, all to God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. And he ends it with a big amen. But the letter is not done yet. He has a little postscript, so to speak, three verses uh, where he's taking up a little housekeeping. But I got to tell you, when you remember that Paul is writing this from prison, when you remember the suffering that he endures, but also how he sees his imprisonment as an opportunity to spread the gospel, Frankly, what he says in verse 22, I think, is pretty amazing. Let's look at the last three verses. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I I just love how he calls out believers in Caesar's family, or or maybe it's just those who work for Caesar. But regardless, look at this. You're worried about me? Well, just so you know, here are, here are people in the household of the emperor who are now your brothers and sisters in Christ because of what's been happening to me. I just think that's amazing. Yeah, and, and you know who's emperor, of course. That's Nero, even right. even uh, Nero. Uh, but but again, he is in a an office that is ordained by God, and 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 very and a very important office. Uh, and, you know, it's it's it really it, it's sort of encouraging to them that that there is that connection to what's going on in the world. And and that this is this is a uh, this is something real. This is this is uh, something. It, it's not something that's relegated to the time of legend or you know the way pagan religions uh, look at uh, their god, the gods uh, or, or the god that they worship uh, acting. But that rather this is God at work in our world right as we speak. Well, and imagine if you're you're sending a message to Paul and you're saying we are being persecuted. We are suffering at the hands of the Romans. They're, they're persecuting us for our faith. Um, you know, I heard that Nero, the, the emperor, is, is punishing Christians and doing these awful things to him. And then when he writes back at the end, he says, oh, by the way, there's people that are connected to the emperor that are becoming believers. I mean, it's like there's hope on the horizon. This is real stuff. God is really working. And it's not just to a bunch of Jews Right. This is to God's people, to Gentiles and Jews together. It's for those near and far off. I just it's just like look at God working. So those same people who are persecuting you, they're start we're starting to make inroads with them. And that's something Paul certainly knows about, because that's literally where he came from, a persecutor of the Christians and now uh, a uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. Yeah, And I, I can't think of Paul as being anybody that. There is no stranger to him. Anybody that maybe a, the soldier that was uh, yoked to him, or you know, uh, with a, with a chain or something, if he was in custody or something like that. Obviously, uh, Lysias uh, is mentioned, uh, the Tribune in in uh, Acts, and then they also have the the uh, Roman soldier that was in charge of him when they we took they the 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 
ship uh, a ride from from uh, Caesarea to Rome and so on, and the shipwreck and everything. So, so th- there's no there's no stranger to to the Apostle Paul. He always, even like he says to, says to the, uh, the assembly, uh, where, where King Agrippa II says, you know, uh, in such a short time, you want to make me a Christian. And Paul says, whether short or long, I, I want you all to be in, in my situation, except for these chains. <laughs> exactly. 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 He's like, I don't, he's like in a short time, you want me to make you a Christian? Yeah. I mean, sure. If you want it to be short or long, I don't care. I just want you to believe. I love that. I love it. Well, and I've really enjoyed our conversation this morning, but it has to come to a close. I'd like to thank my guest, the Reverend David Boysclair. He's the pastor of Faith in Bethesda. No, he's not. Oh, my goodness. My old notes. My apologies. <laughs> he's the pastor of our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Overland, Missouri. Thanks, brother, so much for being on. Maybe in another year, I'll quit attributing you to your previous congregations. <laughs> well, it's always an honor to be associated with uh, the people of God who are such a uh, precious treasure to us. Thank you, brother, for being on the show. Folks, next week, new book uh, on Monday. It's the Reverend Dennis McFadden. He's going to join us as we move right into the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. Now, St. Paul begins that letter by expressing his thanks and love for the faith that the Colossian church has shown him, and he prays for their continued spiritual growth. But I think the focus of it is going to be how he powerfully asserts Christ's supremacy and his central role in creation and reconciliation. He shows Jesus as the bridge between God and humanity, but he also points to his own personal ministry struggles, but that just underscores his commitment to spreading the gospel. I hope that we're inspired by his words. So that and a lot more on Monday when we gather around the radio again for God's word. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.